This is the This Is Gonna Hurt podcast with Jay Gordon Duncan. Hello friends and welcome to another episode of the This Is Gonna Hurt podcast with Jay Gordon Duncan. And if you're wondering why the J, the answer is, I am not a bagpipe player. And if that joke doesn't make any sense to you, I encourage you to check out episode zero, where I explain that joke, as well as the purpose of the This Is Gonna Hurt podcast, where we talk about faith, family, finances, fun, and sometimes fitness. I got that backwards. So anyway, it's not unexpected in these uh, coronavirus times for things to be out of order. So it's faith, family, fitness, finances, and sometimes fun. But honestly, I'm not going to go back and correct it. Um, I'm glad to be here with you. I appreciate uh, all of you. I know some folks have uh, begun listening just in the midst of this coronavirus. It seems that it's just going to be the topic. Um, and I'm only going to mildly speak of it today. It's not my topic uh, specifically. Um, but I do want to encourage you in this. Um, I recently launched another podcast um, called uh, the CTP Marketing uh, Podcast, and season one is Corona Business, where I am talking specifically about uh, the effects of the coronavirus on business. So that's the CTP Marketing Podcast, and season one is called Corona Business. You can find it at iTunes and pretty much everywhere else. And so if you would like to hear my thoughts and soon interviews with others about the effect of the coronavirus on business, uh, you can check that out. Episodes come out uh, every Monday. And we may be coming out with more episodes soon. Um, but uh, maintaining all of that and trying to be productive in this time. Um, today, I'm recording this on Sunday, April 5th, is um, officially three weeks for our quarantine. And then here in Virginia, we have nine more weeks to go. And I thought initially when that uh, prediction came out that that would be, um, be shortened. But I just don't think so anymore. Um, I think from all the projections, uh, we're not going to flatten that curve until early, mid-May. And then there's going to be the downtime of things kind of playing itself out, having watched what's going on with New York and others. Um, I'm guessing we've got another nine weeks of this. So I'm going to continue to try to be productive. I encourage you all towards that if you can. This is a time of crisis, so you don't have to feel the um, urgency uh, to create something new, but if you've got something creative in you, um, it might very well be a helpful uh, balance um, or counter to all the stress. It's exciting in my household um, as I see um, Amy and Emma painting, I see uh, Landry with her music, Meredith with her singing. Um, it's just wonderful to see the work of the arts in my family, and we're also taking family walks as much as possible. Um, so we've gotten small ones together. We make the girls go out every single day. And today we did about a two-and-a-half-mile trail uh, walk, uh, which was wonderful. It was just an absolute beautiful day. So friends, try to be healthy, care for yourself spiritually, uh, set aside time for prayer and Bible studies, set aside time for walking or running, whatever your um, sport is, um, and then try to be creative. And so I have several creative outlets, um, So, but primarily it is writing or podcasting. I'm not much of a visual created artist. artist. I wish I were. Um, but uh, right now, I'm producing podcasts, uh, a couple of them a week. I do three here a week. Um, this Monday is my long-form episode. Wednesdays are 99% of the time uh, my sermons. They weren't last week. I had a great interview with Coach Carl that I encourage you to check out. And then Fridays are my free Friday episodes, just a five-minute thought to get you to the weekend. So when you're listening to this, if you're listening to it on the day that it debuts, that is April 6th. And April 6th is immensely important to me because it is mine and Amy's uh, 24th anniversary, April 6th. 
And we've been married 24 years, which is pretty amazing. Um, when we got married, I was 25, so that's pretty stunning to me that at this point in time, um, practically half of my life uh, I've been married to her. Um, I absolutely love and adore my wife, Amy. I will defend her to the nth degree, um, and I love her, and I love being married to her. Uh, a lot's gone on in 24 years. I mean, that's pretty amazing. Uh, three kids, planted two churches, um, teacher, salesperson, eye care manager, consultant, pastor, pastor, and a bunch of other things. Amy's had uh, cancer. Um, she's had um, multiple surgeries. I've had seizures. I've had surgeries. I mean, just so many things. Um, but we have a lot to be thankful for. Uh, many of you know the story about how we got together, uh, but if you don't, I want to tell that story again. I'm going to try to be honest with you as possible. Um, Amy and I, when we got married, first of all, you need to know I was 25 and she was 19. And, and with Meredith being 18 and turning 19 in um, uh, uh, around the holidays, I can't do that right now, um, in December, um, I cannot imagine her getting married at 19. Um, but Amy and I were really good friends, uh, just really, really good friends for a year. Um, her father was the pastor of our church, and uh, I played guitar and she played piano, and we went to a community Bible study together. Um, I did not make a great first impression on her when she first met me. Her first thought was, oh, Becky can have him. Um, she wasn't interested in me. She just thought one of the other single <clears throat> single girls in the Bible study could have me, whatever that means. Um, uh, but I was dating someone else at the time, and they lived in another city. And uh, But I would often eat dinner at Amy's parents' house because... They were. Uh, I was the single guy in town, and they were my pastor and the pastor's family. And Amy had two younger brothers, and they were like my little brothers. And since I was the youngest of five, I didn't know what that was like. So it was great to have younger brothers, and uh, really connected with uh, Amy's older brother Jay, who's a musician, an artist. It took a little while for Amy's sister Krista to to put up with me and like me, but I love Krista, and, and we've got a good relationship. Um, but Amy was preparing to go to a year of school in uh, England. And that was what she was really working towards uh, after high school. And uh, she had that gap year and she was getting ready to go. And like I said, I was dating someone at the time who was out of state. And so I would go see my girlfriend, uh, but I would often eat dinner at Amy's house. And then I'd play basketball with her brothers and they'd go to bed and Amy and I would play basketball. It was 100% platonic. And... Uh, but I just thought she was great, uh, she was cute, um, lo loved her to death, and we were really good friends. And then Amy, uh, just one night playing basketball, said, hey, I really, really like you. Um, and so she opened up, which is a really um, brave thing for her to do. Uh, I was dating someone, and I just said, you know, I mean, you're getting ready to go to England and I don't want to get in the way of all of that. I'm dating someone. It really broke her heart. I really did. She took a really bold, brave move. She wasn't trying to be underhanded or sneaky or whatever that was. I mean, she was just was really open and honest. And I absolutely broke her heart. And she will tell you, if I tell the story, she will tell you I broke her heart. And if the girls hear the story, they will say, you broke mommy's heart. Um, but interestingly enough, Amy tells me that uh, right after that, she had a peace and she wasn't destroyed. Or, I mean, she, she just knew we were going to be together. And uh, throughout this process of dating someone and then spending time with Amy's family and 
I really began to wrestle with uh, what the right decision was to do. Um, and so I had two weeks between the end of the school year and the beginning of summer school. And uh, so in that two weeks, I really just kind of disappeared. I really did. I just went off the grid. Um, this is really, I think I had a cell phone, but listen, 1995 was not big cell phone times. Um, I spent a lot of time praying. I spent a lot of time playing my guitar. Um, really just disappeared. And in the middle of those two weeks, Amy knocked on my door because she would often walk through the neighborhood, and I lived about a half a mile away, to check on me. She's like, hey, I haven't seen you, haven't heard from you, you're doing okay. Um, if I'm not mistaken, I think she even brought me something to eat. And um, it was a really sweet gesture. It really cemented what was going on. Um, so I broke up with my girlfriend and called Amy and said, hey, would you like to go out on a date? And it was immediately something different. So we live in Rocky Mountain, North Carolina. If you don't know North Carolina, it's a pit stop on I-95. And my parents lived outside of Raleigh. And so I called my parents. I'm like, hey, I'd like for you to meet us at Barnes & Noble uh, for some coffee. I want you to meet this great gal. So on our first date, the very first thing is we drove to Raleigh and we met my parents. And we spent about 45 minutes to an hour with them. Had a great conversation, just sitting and talking. And uh, after about 45 minutes to an hour... Um, my dad said, hey, uh, Gordon, help me find a book. So we got up and went and looked for a book. And my dad really wasn't looking for a book. And to his surprise, he said, now let me get this straight. She likes you? <laughs> I was like, yes, she does. <laughs> Which uh, uh, speaks to uh, maybe some lack of wisdom I'd had in, in prior, prior relationships. But he was like, well, listen, if she likes you, he said, uh, you'd be a fool to get on that, to, excuse me, he said, you'd be a fool to let her get on that plane without a ring on her finger. And my dad had never spoken to me that way, never that straightforward. And But that was the affirmation I was looking for. And I was like, Dad, when can you, this week, help me go buy a ring? And that's what we did. So after uh, two weeks of dating, I think one of our next few dates is we went to see Bon Jovi in concert, and Amy had never been to a big concert like that. Um, we were hanging out at my apartment, and uh, um, just uh, watching football, and Amy had dozed off, and uh, I was in the other room, and I had planned, I was going to plan something for this big proposal, and I just couldn't wait. So I went in and woke her up. I had made um, <laughs> uh, like cinnamon rolls, like canned cinnamon rolls or something. I just wanted there to be some like sweet moment to it, and I proposed to her. I woke her up and proposed to her. She said yes. And uh, a little bit later after that, she flew off to England, and I was a heartbroken young man. Oh, my goodness. you got to remember, friends, this is 1995, so there's not texting or a really accessible email. I had like this 13-digit phone number. There were two of them. And there were only two times in the day that I could call and talk to her. And I'd have to wake up at like 5 o'clock and call or call at 5 o'clock at night uh, to try to um, connect with her. And uh, I did that, and I did that, and I remember getting a phone call about halfway through the month from the phone company, and they said, do you realize your phone bill is $1,000? I was like, I don't. And they're like, are you going to be able to pay that? And I told them basically, hey, listen, you just keep those phone services going. I'll take care of that bill. So I did. I did. And, uh, um, and you know, funny story that when I originally asked Amy's dad if I could propose to her, he originally said no, that he wanted me to wait until she got back from England 
after the year, because he said, if you propose to her, when she goes, when she comes home from Christmas, she won't go back. So I'm sitting there, and I'm just pining for Amy while she's in England. And she comes back for Christmas, and I asked her parents, I was like, can I pick her up, please? And I picked her up, and I had uh, tickets to see Phantom of the Opera over Christmas, because she got to see it when she was over in the UK. And um, so uh, I did that, and we went to Chi Chi's, a Mexican restaurant up, I think it was on Six Forks, Wake Forest Road up in Raleigh. And uh, when we went to see Phantom... We almost eloped. Like, we really, really... I mean, we were thinking about it that night. Like, let's go elope. But we didn't. And you know what? Her dad was 100% right. She did not go back to England. She stayed. And we kept moving the date up and up. And we got married in April, on April 6th. And that day, my friends, was so rainy. It was just a torrential downpour. We had the wedding at Wesleyan College's chapel. Her father did the wedding. Small little wedding, about 50 people. And then I was teaching at a local alternative school. And the reception was there, believe it or not, at the alternative school. We were so broke as dirt. And then we went to our honeymoon in Virginia Beach. Um, now, we had no money for a honeymoon. And a couple of weeks prior to... The honeymoon, I got a phone call from an insurance company. Uh, you see, in 1994, I had been in a head-on collision. And I had survived just with scratches and probably a concussion. And I got a phone call in 1995, a few weeks before, excuse me, 1996, a couple of weeks before the wedding. And they're like, hey, we are wrapping up all the insurance claims on that car crash. And they asked me a couple of questions. How are you doing? How are you feeling? I was like, fine, I'm fine. And they're like, well... We're just wondering if uh, $600 would make you never worry about this car crash ever again. And I was like, done. I should have negotiated. But I got off the phone, and I was like, Amy, you won't believe it. The insurance company is going to send us money from that car crash I was in a couple, of, uh, a couple of years ago. And that's the money we used for our honeymoon. And so since then, friends, it's been a whirlwind of uh, an absolute love affair uh, there have been, like any marriage for 24 years, there are times where you just have to find a lower gear and grind it out. And uh, But right now, what we're experiencing is we've got our three girls at home. Meredith goes off to college in the fall, and so we're getting this extra time with her, which is a real gift. She and I are getting walks together. Um, we are more honest with each other than we've ever been, I think. And I think God is really growing us in, in an amazing way. Uh, doing things we never thought we would do, planting churches. Uh, we were told we'd never have kids, and now we have three wonderful, wonderful daughters. And so on this uh, April 6th, I want to celebrate and be thankful. So next year is 25. Man, oh man, uh, we've got some dreams to take a big 25th anniversary trip and hoping those come together. Something really big to celebrate. I really hope that happens. Um, but we'll see how all the details come together from that, especially in light of the another nine weeks of coronavirus and all those other things. Who knows what the world's going to look like in a year. But right now, I'm super thankful for Amy. I am thankful to God for putting her in my life. I'm thankful for uh, the good friends who love and support and care for us. and uh, Amy's parents and my parents who both had a huge hand in us getting married. So today, uh, in the midst of all this worry around the world, 
I get to celebrate my marriage with Amy. We get to celebrate. So probably not going out to eat, 100% not going out to eat at a fancy restaurant, um, but we will find a way to celebrate well. So this is me being thankful on uh, a what could be a really, really difficult, difficult circumstance. And I hope you guys have an amazing week. Find something to be thankful for. Gratitude overcomes complaining all the time. And friends, I look forward to seeing you on Wednesday, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye.